0: Hey, a uh, long time ago when I, my wife and I became believers, we were about six years into our, uh, our marriage. Hadn't had any children and uh, kind of praying for that and so forth because we had, had some problems. But uh, I remember going to work one day uh, with a friend of mine who was also a believer. And our pastor where we attended church, our pastor was uh, a senior at a a school like Southeastern. It wasn't Southeastern. It was uh, University of Valley Forge, but it was a Christian school. And uh, as we're going to work, my friend says, he said, you know, I think I'm going to go to college where pastor goes. I said, why do you want to do that? And uh, we were uh, carpenters at the time. And uh, he said, well, I, I just want to know more about God. And kind of throughout that day during break and so forth, uh, I talked to my friend and and said, and thought about what he said. And when I came home, I came to my wife and I said, hey, I think I want to go to college where pastor is, and uh, I just want to know more about God. That made sense to me. Um, So it it made some adjustments in our life because I'm going from a full-time position to a part-time position. We probably took about a 60% cut in income. In doing that, and plus at the time my wife is pregnant with our, our daughter, our, our first child, and uh, actually had him her uh, get it right uh, had her on uh, that year uh, on New Year's Eve, so a good tax break. We made it in just in time, and, and actually we had our son in my uh, junior year at college, and things were tough. and And I remember uh, my brother-in-law. Uh, had the same thought, let's go to school. So in this, the spring semester, he came to the school as well. And he's married and has kids and so forth. And and we both were in the construction trade. So we, we said, well, let's start our own business because we could work around our schedule, work in the evening if we need to do that. So we started out painting houses. Uh, we were roofers. We were carpenters. We were plumbers. We were remodelers. We were anything that paid the bills is what we were at that time. Uh, But I remember when we graduated, we had, during that time, accumulated a work truck and a lot of equipment to do our job and so forth. And when we're graduating, he's going off to be a missionary, and I'm going off to uh, graduate school. And we had a lot of equipment there. And I can remember the day we we started talking, okay, what are we going to do? Who gets what in this? And that first day did not work out real well in who got what, if you know what I mean. We had a disagreement over that. And I remember going home that night and, and, and praying about it. And uh, I had a thought. And the thought was, Bill, let it go. Let him have it all. Let it go. Let it have it all. Now, I say that's a thought. It wasn't a Bill Hackett thought. All right. There's times when I believe God speaks to us and he speaks to me mainly through thoughts. And I realize they're from him because my thoughts usually have a little bit of selfishness in them. You know, hey, Lord, give me a raise, you know, uh, get me a new house, whatever at that point. But God's thoughts don't always they often have something to do with giving stuff away. You know, you see that person over there, and the thought is, you know, go give them $10 or give them $20 or something along that line. Those are not my thoughts. So I've kind of figured out this is how God speaks to me through thoughts. And and, uh, in thinking about the message today and, and coming up with this, I thought about, I thought about the passage, but God was really in it at that point. I thought about the passage in Isaiah 55. Uh, verses eight and nine. You probably have heard it before where God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's speaking to uh, the Israelites. And he says this, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. I think you're seeing it up there. Right? And so uh, I've, I've always kind of heard that verse, and that's what was happening in this situation with my brother-in-law. Those were not my thoughts, but you know, it, it's it's developed a relationship that we've had for years. My wife—it's my wife's brother, and we talk back and forth. Actually, uh, my her brother is married to my sister, so we're really kind of double. Uh, family, there. We're not from Arkansas, but you know it's okay. Uh, and those of you from Arkansas, I just lost you at that point. I understand. Okay, so forgive me, Lord, and keep your mouth shut, Hackett. Uh, okay, all right. But uh, in, in looking at a passage like that, and looking at those verses, I never actually kind of connected them with the uh, the place where it's found, the context. And any time you study scripture, it's always look to, good to look at the context to find out, okay, what is really said in the situation here? That's just a part of studying the Bible. We're, we're disciples, and a disciple is a student, a learner. That's what it means. And so in our day, when, when we're looking at a passage of scripture that is written maybe 2,000 or 4,000 years ago, God was speaking to them in their language, in their context, in their situation. And we often want to bring those things immediately in the 21st century without understanding what's going on. So let me give you a little background of Isaiah and what he's doing here. When, When King David, remember David and Goliath, when David became king, he really united Israel together. And they were a strong nation with him. And he passed that heritage off to his son Solomon. Probably Israel was at its strongest time during those two kings, especially during Solomon's time because David had kind of paved the way with dealing with enemies and so forth. And so Solomon is ruling a united kingdom. When Solomon passes his way, his son comes in and becomes king. And the tribes of the north came down and said, you know, your father treated us pretty harshly we're hoping you'll kind of let up on that. And so Solomon's son asked the elders, and he said, what should I do? And they said, yeah, you know, if you actually let up on them, you will have people that really will serve you and will be with you and be united with you, uh, kind of not like Congress is going right now, all right? You'll really have a united country. And, uh, but then he, the son listened to his buddies And they said, no, whatever your father did, you're going to be harsher. And when he communicated that message to them, they separated. And Israel is now divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, or the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And so back and forth, if you read in Kings and Chronicles, and you read about these two kingdoms, depending on who's king at the time, sometimes they're working together against another foe. Or sometimes they're fighting with one another. Crazy times. And because of their fighting and their falling away from God at the same time, and also now they're they're worshiping idols and and not listening to God, the northern kingdom finally, God sends prophets to them and says, you need to turn or you're going to lose me in the process. And the northern kingdom doesn't turn. And finally, he sends a foreign nation in to conquer them, Assyria and they're broken off, all right? God says, if you don't wanna listen to me, maybe you'll listen to them and see the situation that you're in, and maybe you'll eventually turn to me. That's how God sometimes does that to us. We don't listen to him, and so he lets things kinda go their way till he gets our attention. Well, Isaiah is writing to the southern kingdom, and he's basically saying, you don't wanna be like them. You need to turn and follow God. Your ways and your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your ways of doing your faith are not the way that God does it. So often, we want to create God in our image as opposed to allowing him to be God and following him. We want to shape him into our shape, put him into our box, and have him do the things that we want him to do. But God is far above that. And God has a plan and a way of doing things that we need to submit to that authority. That's what it means to really follow him. It's one thing to follow him as our savior. It's another thing to follow him as our master and our Lord. And that means we're willing to do things the way that he tells us to do. And sometimes those thoughts are not our thoughts. The ways of doing things are not the way that we would normally do it. God has a way of doing that to show who he is. And this is what Isaiah is dealing with when he talks to the southern kingdom. So if you'll look at the passage, I'm going to read it, and maybe they'll throw it up on the screen. Isaiah 55, 1 up to verse 9. It says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you have Uh, You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Understand he's not just talking about natural food and water and wine. Give ear and come to me, he says in verse 3. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. I made a promise to him, and I will carry it out to you if you will just give ear and listen. Verse 4 says, See, I have made him a witness to the people, talking about David, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. In other words, they'll fear you. They will fear you if you will just follow me because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. In other words, now's the open window of opportunity. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do we follow him in that way? God's giving them a window of opportunity. But as we look at that passage, he does the same thing for us. He doesn't want us to fall away. He wants us to follow him. And he will pardon us and he will take care of us as we submit our life over to him. That's what we just sung about, that he is good and his grace is always available for us. Is it? He says, hey, the window is open. Seek me while I may be found. Call on me while I'm near. Yes, his grace is always available for us, but will we always be in the place that we will accept it? Will we become harder in doing things our way as opposed to God's way? Notice the words that he has here. Come, listen, give ear and come to me, see and seek. God is appealing to us and he does this all the time. He wants us to follow him, not that he needs followers, but because he takes care of his followers. He is a giving God and he's there to serve us. He doesn't need us at all. He is complete and perfect, totally in himself. But he is a God who loves and gives. And he wants to give and share that with us and make our lives better. Do we believe that? Are we willing to put down our own will and follow after him? Are we willing to seek him while he may be found? Now, I've heard people over the years, and I've said it myself, you know, I'm I'm doing a pretty good life. I said this before I became a Christ follower. I haven't murdered anybody. Thought about it a few times, especially when they're going slow on the highway and I want to get by them, you know. Uh, but I'm doing pretty good. I don't lie too often, you know. I've done some wrong things, but basically I always felt my good overweighed my bad. And that maybe I'm doing about a, a 70%. Maybe I'm doing an 85. And if you're a student in school, you know, that's, that's passing. All right? Uh, I have students that say, oh, a D, that means degree. You know, no. <laughs> you don't want them to be your medical doctor. You know, you maybe ought to check them out. What did you get in school? You know, do you want a D doctor operating on you? Or a C? I want the A and B doing that. But, you know, we, we grade ourselves that way. 80... Will get us by 85 well, 95. The problem is that God's standards are much higher than ours. God wants 100% or nothing. Why? Because he is a holy God. And then you say, well, that's unachievable. How can I do 100%? We can't. We all fall short at some point. All of us have probably gone at least one mile over the speed limit. We are now lawbreakers. Well, maybe they won't arrest you for that, but we have broken the law and we got by. And so we'll do it again and again and again, right? I think you have up to 10 miles over the speed limit, all right? Now, I just broke some rules because I told you that secret, but that's what a Florida Highway Patrol person told me, all right? Make sure you put your blinker on it and you're not weaving it out. He also told me that, all right? But it, it seems to work when I pass them on the, on the highway and, and they don't come after me at that point. While well, I was in that 10-mile speed limit. I'm giving you too much information for lawbreaking. But, you know, we're lawbreakers at that point. And so what has God done? He has given us a perfect son who's obeyed the law 100% and said if we will trust in him, if we will accept Jesus as our Lord, that 100% becomes ours. That covers us. Because we cannot do it on our own, be perfect, be complete, but only with him. Some people still don't like that fact. But, you know, when you're the creator God, you get to make up the rules. And you get to say to people, this is how we're going to play the game. Because I invented the game. It's called life. And you're going to have to do that. And so this is what God has done for us. And this is why he's saying the window is open for a short period of time. Call on him while he's near. Seek him while he may be found. Because we might not always look or seek him. And here's an opportunity right now today to do that. That's why we're here, to listen to God in that situation. Now, God's ways and his thoughts are far above ours all the time. I'm I'm amazed at different things. I read this the other day, and I I really thought, uh, this is something I want to share with you. In 1905, a fellow by the name of Albert Einstein was poor. He was underemployed. He was estranged from his country. He was rejected by Europe's academic establishment. And without a country, and and he was even hurt by his parents because... uh, Albert married an older woman who was Serbian and they rejected her and rejected him for that choice. Yet in that same year, 1905, Albert wrote five different papers. Every one of those papers, any one of them would have made him famous. One of them actually got him the Nobel Prize. And he wrote about stuff like time and space and light, and energy, and speed, and relativity, and things like E equals MC squared, whatever that means, you know? And and those are not the normal things necessary that we talk about in our conversations, but Albert came up with that and changed the course of science because of that. One person said that level of genius is practically incomprehensible to have that smart. Now, I took a, a couple courses uh, for um, development at Harvard. And, and I can remember five different professors that I had. And, and it, it amazed me because they never talked about creation, they always talked about we have evolved to this. And I thought, that's interesting. Harvard was started to train pastors. And now that's just a small, tiny part of who they are. They have a separate school called the School of Divinity. And yet here I have these professors telling me they don't believe in creation, they believe in evolution, and we have evolved to this. Well, I wonder when we're going to evolve past Albert Einstein. All right, that was back in 1905, and now it's 2019. We haven't evolved past that. So where did he get that insight? Could it possibly be a creator God who gave him those insights? Because God knows so much more than we can ever think or imagine. All right, I, I, I read about a man who was from India who took the number pi. All right, You've all heard of that in math. And he could carry that out to the 30th thousand digit. Well, he was outdone by a Japanese man who took it out to the thousand digit. That's a lot of digits, all right? That's a lot of numbers to do that. And then, uh, you know, the, those are amazing, s- phenomenal that, that people can do. And then I, I think all of us, or many of us, have probably heard about autistic savants. Here are, are, are people that are, have mental challenges, but at the same time, they have unbelievable mental abilities. Some call it uh, islands of intelligence, that they can, they can go down some area of information and insight far beyond anybody else can, can ever achieve. There are two fellows that were uh, autistic savants named George and Charles. They are what we call calendar calculators. They're twin brothers. Neither one of them can count from 1 to 30. But they, uh, they have a special trait where they, they swap 20-digit prime numbers for amusement. Give them a date, and they will give you the day of the week over an 80,000-year span. Can't even count the 30, but they can do that. Another man by the name of Leslie is blind, severely mentally handicapped, has cerebral palsy, and has never had any formal music training. Yet upon hearing Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto number 1 for the first time, he played it back flawlessly on his piano. Where do you come up with that? What kind of a God can create and give somebody the ability to do that? That, that to me is unfathomable. It would take me years for me to even learn to play the piano, let alone do something like that. And this guy had all the things going for him, like blindness and cerebral palsy and uh, mentally challenged and so forth. And yet he was able to go down that island of intelligence. Where does that island of intelligence come from? It comes from God. God is able to do that because he is far above that. All right? In this country, you know, we're changing the way that we look at things and we're changing the rules. I'm amazed at some of the things that I'm coming across and hearing. You all hear about states that are changing the Roe versus Wade laws and so forth. And I heard one Congresswoman from New York said that a person isn't a human being until they're actually born into this world. Up to that point, they are not a human being. And I just want to say, did you ever take a science class or biology? You know, that's another heart that's beating inside you. And yet, we want to support something like women's rights. I'm all for women's rights. But when you have a baby, that's another person inside you. Realize that. Now we're dealing with things like gender issues, that you can decide on what gender you are. I'm sorry, I'm old school. I always thought if somebody's troubling you as to what your gender is, go into a room with a full-length mirror, strip down, look and see what you have or what you don't have. That's what you are, right? That's what you are. But we don't want to believe that anymore. Now, you, you know, you can make this up for yourself. Hey, I'd love to be 6'8". And all the wanting and wishing in the world is not going to make this five six person become six eight. I'm five six. Deal with it. Now, actually, in Florida, being six eight is probably at a disadvantage because heat rises. It's cooler down here. <laughs> but at some point, you gotta kind of have to accept the cards that God has dealt you and deal with it. And I think it's our role as parents and as educators and as uh, Older people to give some wisdom to some of these people that are struggling with this. Yes, we love them. And I can understand that maybe somebody's going through a time of dealing with that. And we need to love them in the process. But we have to give them some facts. right? You are biologically a man or you're biologi- biologically a woman. That's what you are. At some point, you have to accept that. All right? And deal with that. Life will be a lot less complicated if you do that. God has a way of doing that. Why? Because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. There's a reason why he made us the way that he made us. When are we going to accept that? God does some things strangely at times. I don't know when I read about the start of the Jewish nation and I read about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 75 years old when God told him, You're going to be the father of many nations. 75. And it doesn't happen for another 25 years. And his wife is 90 when she gives birth to Isaac. And I'm thinking, Why didn't you kind of wait till they were in their teenage years and do that? Why didn't you wait till they were in their 20s? You waited. Why? Because God wants to show what He can do when we trust in Him. Right? Why does the storm come up when the disciples are in a boat with Jesus and Jesus is sleeping? Why? Because God wants to show who this Jesus is. Why when Paul and Silas are out preaching the gospel and they get arrested for doing it? God, what are you doing here? And then an earthquake comes and their their shackles are released and they end up leading the jailer and his family to Christ. And I love the story of Gideon. When God comes to him, he calls him a mighty warrior. And and Gideon's saying, what are you you talking about? Don't you know I'm in the least tribe and I'm the least in my tribe? And and the Midianites are constantly harassing the Jewish people at that point. And and God is calling Gideon to come against them. And so Gideon gets 32,000 men. And he says, okay, we're ready to go fight them. And God says, you have too many men. What? you have too many men and he says ask those who really want to fight to stay and those who don't want to leave and 22,000 leave and he's left with 10,000 men well I guess we can do it with 10,000 and God says you still have too many too many and so they, they, they kind of have a drinking contest in how they uh, lap up water out of the brook and he ends up with 300 men. And they don't even have weapons to go against the Midianites. Why? Because God is doing his thing his way. It doesn't make sense at all. And if you're Gideon, you better hear an angel talking to you, have some thoughts there and recognize that thought is of God that things are not necessarily done your way. That's the God that we serve that does that sort of thing. It it doesn't always make sense when we look at it and how things are supposed to come about. I wouldn't do it that way if I was God. I'd take the 32,000, but not God. Do we trust him enough? So what am I saying this morning? I think I'm talking to two groups. I think I'm talking to to one group that maybe you're on the brink and you're here at at Lakeside and you're wondering, maybe is this Jesus thing something that I want to do? I'm not sure. I'm coming here. A friend invited me, a family member or something like that. And I think if, if that's you, God is saying to you, hey, seek me while I may be found. Today is a great day to make a choice to follow after Jesus and to give your life to Him. Or maybe there's that other group who's been a Christ follower most of your life. And yet there's some things that God asks us to do that just seem absurd. You know, Bill, let it go. Give your brother in law all the equipment, give him the truck, let it go. It's not like I was rich at the time. And God says, let it go. And then I see God take care of me in other ways when we follow those decisions. I wish I made those sort of decisions more often when I get a thought and realize that's not my thought. But it sounds kind of crazy. Maybe it's a God thought. Maybe I need to step out on that thought. The the world is at a place where we're calling bad good and good bad couple passages, of scriptures that, that talk about that thing, I think they're going to put on the screen for you. One is Isaiah 520. It says, woe to those who will call evil good and good evil, and who put darkness for light and, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And then 2 Timothy 3.13, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think we're living in a time when that sort of thing is happening, you know, with gender, with sexuality, with different choices that are there. We're living in a time. But God is saying to us this morning, are you going to follow me and on his ways? So I came across a prayer that I kind of tweaked a little bit by Tim Keller. And I wanted to put it on the screen. I want to read it first, and then if you're willing to, I'd like you to stand and read it with me. It goes like this, Lord, I live in a world that says I, sought not, uh, I should not submit authority of myself over to anyone, but it would violate your glory and my nature as a Christ follower to not give you the lordship of my life. Henceforth, from this day forward, I will willingly obey whatever you say and accept whatever you send my way, whether I understand it or not. Forgive me when I fail to trust you in what you allow to come my way. With the daily help from your Holy Spirit, help me, Lord, to be faithful and obedient to this prayer. All right? If you're willing to read it, will you stand with me? And let's read it and make a commitment ourselves to this. Lord, I live in a world that says I should not submit authority of myself over to anyone but it would violate your glory and my nature as a Christ follower to not give you the lordship of my life. Henceforth, from this day forward, I will willingly obey whatever you say and accept, right? And understand it or not, whether I understand it or not. Forgive me when I fail to trust you in what you allow to come my way with the daily help from your Holy Spirit, Help me, Lord, to be faithful and obedient to this prayer. Amen. That's a tough one to remember. So I I just want to say it this way. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life this day. That's an easy one. I think you know where that comes from. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life this day. All right? God, help us. To be obedient to your prayer. Help us to have your kingdom in our life this day and every day, and pray for your will to be done. Bless us.